of great joy for us. Because we know that Jesus has done something so significant that it has changed history forever. Because when you look at the death of, death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, these are undisputable facts. So many theories have come up in our world today saying that no, Jesus didn't really die, Jesus didn't really rise up from the dead. But all of that are just weak theories. All of, all of that are just theories that are simply assumptions. What we see is that after Jesus came to this world, the timeline of our world changed today. You know, when everyone looks at history, they divide it by BC and AD, before Christ and after Christ. The entire timeline of the world has changed and it's based on the coming of Christ. That he came and before he came it was known as before Christ and after he came was known as after Christ. So the, 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 the life of Jesus has shaped our entire world today. And no one can deny that he did not exist. And as we look at his life, as we study his life, we know for sure that he has done something that is so significant that has changed our life today. And so we're going to look at a passage from scripture that is going to remind us of the victory that we have received on this day, on the resurrection day. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to second, sorry, turn with me to Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. You know, this is a passage that comes to my mind when I think of Easter because this passage reminds us of some powerful scriptural truths. It reminds us of the victory Jesus won for us on the cross. If you have your Bibles, I ask that you turn to Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. If you're there in that passage, I would like to read that for you. Please follow along. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made, alive you, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Verse 14. Having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Verse 15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Amen. Let's pray. Let's look into the Lord in prayer. Father, we ask that you speak to us through your word. God, unless you speak to us, our gathering is in vain. And Father, we are hungry for your word. Speak to us, O Lord. Inspire us and draw us closer to you through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. This passage talks about the victory that Jesus won for us on the cross. And whenever I read this verse, I'm reminded that my God didn't just die and perish away, but his death and resurrection resulted in a great victory. When I, when I read, think of this verse, I'm reminded every time that my God did not die and just perish away, but my God died and rose up from the grave and that resulted in a massive victory. When Jesus died on the cross, the powers of darkness and Satan would have laughed thinking, you know, look at this, the son of man. Look at this, the son of man who rose the dead back to life. Look at the son of man who, 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 who healed the lame, who made, who, who cleansed the leper, who made the blind see is now on the cross. Helpless. 
I think of it this way, that the, that the enemies, the Satan would have rejoiced at the sight of the Son of God hanging on the cross. But what the enemy did not know is that Jesus went on the cross to destroy the powers of the enemy. What the enemy did not know is that Jesus went on the cross so that he can strip him of his powers. Satan thought that Jesus was dead and defeated, but God the Father raised Jesus from the dead, reminding us of this truth, that the death of Jesus is not the end of story, that the death and resurrection of Jesus is not the end of story, but the beginning of a great salvation for mankind. Amen. Can, can we just give the Lord a clap offering wherever we are? I know this is a little awkward, but let's just do it. Let's just come along as I preach the word to you. Amen. Amen. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 to verse 15, as we read this passage as, as, and as we meditate on it, we will learn, the, learn what was life before the resurrection and what was life after the resurrection of Jesus. If you look at verse 13, it begins like the saying, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then you were made alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins. So we see here verse 13 begins with a statement about, our, the, about the condition of our life before the death and before the resurrection of Jesus. And our condition was this. Before the resurrection of Jesus, before we accepted Christ into our life, we were dead. We were dead in our sin. You know, it's very interesting to think that people of the world often say, live your life to the fullest. Enjoy as much as you can. And that, that usually means do whatever your heart tells you to do. Try out everything. Experiment before you turn old. Life is, life is short, live it large. But here, the Bible makes it very clear to us, it makes it very clear to us that we are dead before we came to Christ. That we were dead in our sin. We must have thought of ourselves as someone alive and very active, but the reality is that we were actually dead. That was our condition. But here's the good news. God did not leave us that way. And one of the first things that happens to us because of the resurrection of Jesus is that when we come into him, when we accept him, we receive life. Let me put it this way. The moment we accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our life, that is when we truly begin to live. Until then, what were you living like? You were living like a dead man, running after dead things, running after the fleshly things of the world. But the moment you came into Christ, you became alive. And that is why salvation is so important because it tells us that the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus has resulted in something where we have become alive now. We came alive because of Jesus. That's the truth that we have to understand. That's the truth that we have to take it into our hearts that because of the death of Jesus and because of the resurrection of Jesus, I am now alive. I remember years ago when I came to the Lord, I realized that is when I truly started living. Because life that is lived for God is the most Beautiful thing that you can do. And you can only truly live when you truly come to Christ. The day we come to salvation is the day we truly start living. So what does the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus do to us? We become alive. It gives us life. 
See, what the enemy tells you is that he makes sure that you will continue to be, to continue to live in a life that is apart from God. That, that you will never go towards God or draw towards God. That is why we see the enemy is always turning people away from focusing on God to focusing on the things of the world. You know, a simple example of that is that sometimes, you know, we, we take the Bible, we want to read it, but that is the time when we feel very sleepy. But at the same time, you take a phone, take your phone and start watching a YouTube video, you won't feel sleepy at all. You'll be wide awake. And, and sometimes, you know, the days when you commit to pray every day in the morning, that is the day when you'll have the best sleep of your life in the morning. Until then, we would be waking up early. But the moment we commit to pray is the time when the enemy will work to make sure that you and I will not wake up to pray. And we, but, but when we look at salvation, here's what God did. He made us alive and not just that, he also forgave us of our sins. We became alive because of the resurrection of Jesus. And he forgave us of all our sins. If you look at Psalm 130 verse 3, Psalmist says, if you Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? Psalmist understood that if, if, if God kept a record of all that I am doing at all times, then who can stand before you? In verse 4 of the same chapter, he goes on to say, but with you there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. Just imagine, just imagine this. What if we were never forgiven? What if there was no forgiveness that we experienced? Samus says, Lord, who can stand before you? He realizes that, that, that the God I worship is the God who forgives. The God I worship is the God who forgives. We have to remember this church that the greatest gift that you and I have received is the forgiveness of our sins. Many of us are, are long-time believers and, and we, may, we may really understand what it means to be forgiven. We must understand that Christ died on the cross so that you and I can be forgiven so that we can live once again. The truth about forgiveness is that we do not deserve it at all. We do not deserve it anyway. But Christ chose to give that as a gift to us. Think of, think of the kind of sins we have committed against Christ. We really deserve punishment. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But because of the death and because of the resurrection of Jesus, the punishment has gone on to Jesus and life has come to us. Life has come to us. If you read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 5, it says like this, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. It is by grace you have been saved. Think of this. Why did God make us alive again? And why did he forgive us? Simply because he loved us. And the Bible makes it clear that we have been saved by grace. Can you, can you imagine how powerful that love is for you? That even when you were dead, Christ died to give you a new life. 
Christ did not wait for the time when you'll become a perfect person so that he can die for you. But even before you can turn to him, God showed his greatest grace, his greatest mercy and his greatest gift towards you. Towards you. If you, if you look at Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6, Isaiah the prophet says, All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. What did the Father do? He laid all of our sins on Jesus. Jesus carried our sins and he paid the price for it. I want you to know this church that God the Father did not cancel the punishment for our sin. But put it all on Jesus so that he can pray. He can pay the price for our sin. The punishment that Jesus went through paid our price so that you and I can live. You, can, I can, you and I can live. Just imagine for a minute, what if Jesus didn't do this? What if Jesus didn't die for us? What if Jesus didn't die for us? If you look at Psalm 28 verse 1, Psalmist expresses like the saying, To you, Lord, I call. You are my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I will be like those who go down to the pit. In other words, when if, if God were to stop working in our life, if God were to stop responding in our life, and let me also put it this way, if God did not send his son to die for us, then we will be like those who go straight down to the pit. Straight down to the pit. But you see, God in his mercy chose to forgive us so that we can live once again. The first power of resurrection, the first power of resurrection that we see in the Bible is that we are made alive. We are made alive even today. We are truly living because we have come to the Lord. We might have thought that I was living my best life on earth before I came to Christ. But the truth is you are living a dead life. But the moment you came to Christ, you are now living a life joyful and peaceful in the Lord. You are now living life truly the way it is supposed to be lived. Amen. The resurrection of Jesus has resulted in new life for us. Let us continue to read on verse 14. Verse 14 says like this, Colossians chapter 2 verse 14 Having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. If we continue to read this passage, we see that Paul writes it, writes about the resurrection of Jesus and the death of Jesus on the cross and he makes it even more clear as to what happened on the cross. Now he says like this in verse 14, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. What we see is that when Jesus was on the cross, the reality was that when Jesus died for us, Jesus also cancelled the charge which stood against us with its legal demands. Now you may wonder, what is that? Let me give you a clear idea. The word used for charge, list or a bond is chirographin. It literally means an autograph. It literally means an autograph. Also, this word had a very technical meaning. I hope you're following along. I'm talking about the charge of our legal indebtedness. Paul says, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness. I'm trying to explain to you what it what is the charge list or what is the what is the bond that is spoken about here. 
The word for that is chirographin. It literally means autograph. Also, this word had a very technical meaning. The technical meaning is this, that this charge or a charge list is a kind of list where the person has borrowed a loan or has taken some money and finally he has written down a note saying I am unable to pay, pay back my dues. I am unable to pay back my dues. So he's borrowed large sums of money and he looks at his income, he looks at his finances and he says I cannot pay this back and he's written down a note regarding that. So if you if you've taken a certain amount of money for a project but you're unable to pay it back, you will sign usually something called as an IOU, acknowledging that you've taken the money but cannot repay it back, repay it back. In the same way, people's sin had piled up before God. In the same way, people's sin had piled up before God. And also what happened is people acknowledged that their debts before God, there is something that they cannot clear. Their sin had piled up before God and now their sins cannot be cleared by their own merit. People were in debt to God because of their sin and they knew it. And when it says that having cancelled the charge of legal indebtedness, which means that this was something that we ourselves confessed that, yes, I have done this, but I don't know how to fix it. Yes, I have done it, but I cannot pay the price for it. That is the condition. That is the condition you and I wherein. If, you, if you've ever taken a large amount of money uh, that you hope to repay, but the situation becomes such that you are unable to repay, and you are somewhat trying, you know, to pay that back, but you cannot repay. You tried your best, you cannot repay. And as we look at our life, as we look at what we did in the past, here's what Christ did for us. He looked at our debts. He looked at all the sins that we have committed. He took it, and he cancelled it on the cross. Cancelled it on the cross. The word that is used for cancelling is the word exalafine. What we can understand with this word is that, you see, in the first century AD, documents were written on a papyrus or a paper made of uh, animal skins. And both these materials, whether a papyrus or a paper uh, that was made of animal skin was expensive and they cannot be wasted. And what would happen is that when they use ink on that, ink in the first century AD do not have acid in it. Today, if we write on a piece of paper, it stays, it remains there. It's hard to erase it because the acid burns into the paper. But in the first century AD, it was just dye, it was just ink. And so it is not going to burn into the substance. So you can easily wipe it away. You can take a sponge and wipe it away completely. And so that is exactly the word that is used. So Jesus looks at our list of debts, list of sins that we have committed and Paul goes on to say that he cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness which means when we came to Christ, gave our life to him, he took, a, he took an eraser and he wiped it clean completely. And as you look at your life again, it is brand new. Your slate is wiped clean. As you, as you think of what Christ did for you on the cross, that he cancelled the charge of illegal indebtedness, it will remind you of his mercy. It will remind you of his great mercy. Sometimes we are, we are often reminded of you know, ourselves as, what a, what a great sinner I am. We, are, we remind ourselves time to time about the things that we may not be forgiven for. But when you understand what Jesus did on the cross, he gave you the victory over your sins. The sins that you thought cannot be forgiven 
was wiped away wiped away completely without a trace let me say this again the sins that you thought cannot be forgiven was wiped away completely without a trace that's the demonstration of the mercy of god that's a demonstration of the mercy of god if you look at this verse verse 14 he goes on to say that he has nailed he has nailed it to the cross the last part of the verse says nailing it to the cross you know all these all these little elements in these verses contain some traditions or cultures that were part of the first century ad and if we can understand that we will understand how powerful the resurrection and the death of jesus was now if you look at the word nailing to the cross there was a practice in the first century ad now whenever a law or a regulation had to be cancelled it will be stuck on a board and a nail will be driven through it that was a practice let me say this again in the first century ad whenever a law or a regulation had to be cancelled it will be stuck on a board and a nail will be driven through it that was a practice and when jesus was on the cross what was driven into his hand the nail when jesus was on the cross he took up all our sins everything that we have done so far that is why the bible says that he who he who knew no sin became sin for us second corinthians chapter 5 verse 20 21 god made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of god when jesus was on the cross he took up all our sin all our shame all our guilt and he nailed them to the cross and according to the first century tradition if a, if a law or a regulation had to be cancelled it that's it has to be stuck on a board and a nail has to be driven right through it jesus the son of god took our sins our shame our pain everything and he took the nails on his hand it signifies that it was taken away it was taken away all that we have ever done was nailed to the cross completely because of which we are now set free we are forgiven and we are made alive with Christ this is this is a beautiful picture of grace church this is a beautiful picture of grace before 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 jesus came people were living under the law under the weight of the law they could not keep all of that jesus took everything nailed it to the cross and now there is an era of grace that is assured on our life we are no longer criminals who have broken the law but we are the sons and daughters of the god who came down to pay the price for us and our life is now wrapped in the mercy and the grace of god i i don't know what this makes you feel when you hear this but when i when i think of this when i think of this just this verse 14 of Colossians chapter 2 it, it speaks volumes about what Christ has done he cancelled the legal indebtedness that stood against us our sins our sins were standing against us saying you know he did this at that time this is what he indulged in this is what he's addicted to it stood against us jesus looked at all of that took it wiped our slate clean nailed it to the cross he cancelled everything that stood against us I I don't know church if you'd ever find a god like this. I don't know church if you'd ever find someone like this who has paid the price for you. 
you don't you didn't have to pay a heavy amount of money to receive salvation all you had to do is just come and confess that jesus is lord and that god the father raised him from the dead the moment you said that god came into your life your sins were taken away your slate was wiped clean your your life has become like a beautiful beautiful alive a life that has lived in christ forever your life has changed forever think of this there is no one who does this other than jesus satan thought that you know he can he can get jesus to the cross make a public spectacle of him but little did he know that when jesus goes on the cross he will take away all our sins he will take away all our shame and not just that he will also strip away the powers of the enemy if you go to the next verse verse 15 Paul goes on to write like this saying and having disarmed the powers and authorities he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross what we what we see here is that Jesus disarmed the powers and authorities so he not just canceled our debts not just made alive with him he canceled our debts he forgave us of all our sin and finally he disarmed the powers and authorities now the powers and authorities that are spoken here are talking about the evil powers and the evil authorities it's not that has nothing to do with the roman government or any government but it has to talk about the spiritual the evil spiritual beings because there are a rank of hostile angelic beings who often bring destruction on people and such demonic beings are the one who are responsible for things like demon possession these were hostile beings and what paul writes here is that jesus conquered them and the word that is used for disarmed is the word used for removing weapons and the armor from a defeated enemy so when jesus went to the cross he removed the weapons of the enemy removed the armor of the enemy and jesus once and for all broke their power and if you read verse 15 it says he made a public spectacle of them In the first century AD when a Roman general wins a battle he was allowed to take his army men to march victoriously through the streets of Rome and what, the the way the procession will happen is that the Roman general will go at first the army will follow and behind all of them will come the king and the army who were defeated in the battle they will bring their enemies and will publicly show them that this is who we defeated Now when Paul writes this he's thinking of the same Roman picture he thinks of this that Jesus defeated the powers of the enemy in other words Jesus took over a cosmic triumph that in his triumphal procession he is going we are going behind him and behind all of that is the enemy the powers of evil beaten forever and for everyone to see Jesus disarmed the powers and authorities disarmed the powers and authorities and that is why you see paul writes like this in romans 838 he says for i am convinced that neither life nor death neither angels nor demons underline that carefully this is why paul writes this because he knew that because of what jesus has done for us on the cross the enemy has no power over our life the enemy has no power over our life and so and so that is why paul says neither angels nor demons neither present nor future nor any powers can separate us from the love of christ he knew that jesus has done something so significant where he's disarmed the powers and authorities of the enemy if if you look at 
Ephesians chapter 1 verse 21, it says like this, Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. If, if you read this verse, it reminds us that above every power or above every dominion, not only in this age, but also in the age to come, there is, we must understand, church, there is nothing that can separate us from Christ because of what Jesus has done. These demonic forces do not have the same power on God's children they used to have before. The only power they have, the only weapons that demonic forces have against us is their ability to deceive and create fear in our life. They, they only have this the ability to deceive us and to create fear in our life. Everything else is stripped, stripped away. You see, the moment we come to Christ and the moment we start worshipping Christ, the enemy cannot take a position of our life. We must understand this. Sometimes we think to ourselves that if, you know, the moment we begin to indulge in something that is not, that God is pleased with, we think to ourselves, maybe I'm demon-possessed or maybe I'm something like this. Truth is, once you come to Christ, demon cannot find its place in your life. Because God has stripped away the powers of darkness. He, stri- he has stripped away the weapons of the enemy. The only thing he can do today in your life is he can deceive you. And he can cause fear into your life. He will bring all these fearful thoughts about your future. And if you entertain that, entertain that that'll turn into a weapon. You see, everything the enemy can do right now, you can stand against that in the name of Jesus. You can, you can stand against that in the name of Jesus. Easily. You must understand that what Jesus did for us on the cross disarmed the powers and the authorities. He made a public spectacle of them. He stripped of all their armor, all their weapons. The enemy has no power over our life. That is why Paul says, I'm convinced neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons can separate us from the love of Christ. Know this church, no matter what crisis you go through, you may wake up in the morning one day and you can feel dry in your spirit. That doesn't mean that you are separated from the love of Christ. Because what Christ did for you is so strong, so powerful. I tell you, he has disarmed the enemy who wanted to come against you. He has disarmed every powers of darkness. It is, it is we who entertain thoughts into our mind thinking, oh, the enemy is now trying to take possession of my life. Truth is, he cannot. Once you come into Christ, he cannot take a possession of your life. He may, be, he may be able to cause fear and he may be able to deceive you. But other than that, he can't do much. And if you stand against him in the name of Jesus, you will find victory. What we see Jesus did for us on the cross is a significant victory. It's a significant victory. I want to read this passage for you once again. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh... God made you alive. The first thing that we see that comes from the cross, comes from the resurrection of Jesus, is that we are made alive. We are made alive and we are forgiven of our sin. And the second thing that we see is that he canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. Everything that stood against us, all the written record against us saying that you did this at this time, you did that at this time, this is what you were up to, this is what you are addicted to. God took all that and wiped our slate clean. Church, remember this, there is no sin God cannot forgive. I don't know, I feel like stressing this over and over again. 
Maybe you're living with this thought that I've done something that I cannot be forgiven. Truth is, when God took your life in his hands, he wiped your slate clean. According to you, your life may be messy, but according to God, your life is now washed white as snow. You are made righteous before him. And finally, we see in verse 15 that Jesus disarmed the powers and the authorities. Made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The enemy thought that he can keep Jesus in the grave, but little did he know that everything that Jesus did, did go through on the cross, that he rose up from the grave again, resulted in a great victory. And what does that mean for our lives today? It means that we can live life in victory in Jesus. We don't have to be worried by what circumstances we may face. We don't have to be worried by the spiritual forces of darkness. We have to understand that we worship the name that is all-powerful. That is all-powerful. It is the power that saves us. It is the power that restores us. Instead of worrying about what you've done in the, in the past Instead of worrying about all the things that you've been up to, remember what the risen Savior has done for you on the cross. He has wiped your slate clean. He has changed everything that stood against you. Cancelled every charge against you. Forgive you of all your sins. His name is powerful. What a powerful name it is. What His name a is powerful. Name it is. He disarmed the, the powers. Jesus powers of the Christ rulers and the authorities stripped them bare, what made a, a public spectacle of them, triumph over them on the cross. It is that Savior you and I worship today, church. It is, it is the, the most powerful name. Jesus. What, what a powerful, powerful name! name it is, the, name the name of Jesus. Of Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Think of all that you've done. Think of, Lord, we think of all that you've done for us on the cross. Words are not enough to express our gratitude. The enemy thought that he can have a way in our life, but your word reminds us you have stripped him bare, that you have destroyed his works on the cross. He cannot possess us, nor can he. Stand against us. Lord, we are so grateful. Lord, we are so grateful. Lord, we are so grateful. For your work on the cross. You gave us new life. You forgave us of all our sin. You cancelled every charge against us. And you disarmed the powers and the authorities. And Lord, you have given us the victory. And we are grateful for that. We thank you, Master, for all that you've done all the wonderful things that you've done. We thank you, Jesus. We glorify your name. We glorify your name. Church, we worship the God who is all-powerful. And it is a privilege that we get to worship God week after week to serve him and to adore him. So wherever you are, let's give the Lord a clap offering, just thanking him, thanking him for all the things that he's done. Oh, Jesus, we worship you. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Amen, 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 amen. 
Church, I hope I hope this word has resulted in something good in your life today. I hope you were able to take this word deep into your hearts and remember that there's there's no sin that God cannot forgive. He cleared everything that was in your account. A price that you could not could not pay, Christ paid it on your behalf. The punishment that you could not go through, God took it on himself to give you the new life. Don't live your life in fear anymore. Don't think that you'll never be good enough for God. You will always be good enough for God. You know why? Because of what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. Never entertain unnecessary thoughts into your mind thinking maybe I'll never amount to anything. God has made you righteous. He has justified you. That's more than enough. It doesn't matter what the world says about you. It doesn't matter. It it's all about what God says about you. And if God calls you his precious child and if God has wrapped your life in his grace, more than enough. We don't need men's approval. We don't need, we don't need anybody's approval to live life on earth. God has done it for us and we are always grateful for that. Amen. Let's close our eyes in prayer. Father, we want to thank you for this resurrection Sunday that you have enabled us to look unto you, to study from your word, to meditate meditate on your word, to understand what you exactly did for us on the cross. You disarmed the powers and the authorities. You canceled our legal indebtedness. You nailed them to the cross. And God you made us alive you made us alive you gave us new life and god we realized this morning that that we can only truly live life only when we live in you master help us to stay true to your commitment to the true to the commitment to you o lord help us to stay true to you at all times that we will never waver from your word that we will never go away from your word but always will stay close to your presence alone we thank you master for all that you've done for all the beautiful things that you've done in our life we worship you we worship you in jesus name we pray amen and amen and amen 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 church i want to thank you for joining us today joining us for our easter service i hope and believe that the service has blessed your life i would love to hear from you since we're all in our own places and all i I don't get to see you all. I would love to hear from you so please post on the church group or if you're not part of the church group you can send me a message personally. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to know how this word has spoken to you today and uh, what it has done in your life. Whenever I ask for feedback whenever I ask for this I I'm, I'm not asking so that I can feel better about my preaching but I want to know I want to interact with you and see how uh, this word has blessed your heart today. So do send me a message i would love to hear from you um it is a beautiful day it's a resurrection sunday christ has given us new life and uh, we are so happy i don't know about you but i'm excited i know i don't know uh, i'm thinking why am i fully ex- truly excited i i don't understand every detail but i know that i am given new life because of what christ has done for me so I would encourage you to live with that mindset every day live with this man- mindset that you are forgiven you are restored and you are set free there's no more uh, there's no reason for you to live in any anguish any pain anymore Jesus has done for you so uh, 
continue to worship him, continue to spend time with him. Something that I would encourage all of you to do is that after uh, the service ends, uh, sit together as a family, continue to study Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. Read more about it, and I, and I believe God will speak something specific to you through that word. So continue to be rooted and grounded in God's word, and your life will be built on the solid rock. Let me tell you that. The more you study his word, your life will be built on solid rock. And all these unnecessary thoughts that are in your heart sometimes that maybe I won't be forgiven, maybe I won't be set free. You know, there was a time I used to struggle with those thoughts. I used to struggle with those thoughts. But the more I understood the word, I realized that my salvation is secure in Jesus, that my sins are taken away. I'm washed and I'm cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And so I don't have to worry about anything that comes my way. I don't have to, you know, worry about the thoughts that come to me. I just have to, all I have to do is just focus on the cross and live for Jesus. So I want you to live with that mindset, meditate on his word, study his word, and you'll be filled with, a, with joy, with hope, and with a fresh uh, strength in Christ. So God bless you. Have a blessed resurrection day.